are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Podcast AFC Championship Edition. The time is finally here to watch the Patriots for the eighth straight year. Wait, hold on, time out, time out, Alec. Your microphone is pretty scratchy. Oh, is it? All right, let me try to plug in. Is that better? Yep. All right, going again. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Path Pulpit Podcast AFC Championship Edition. It is finally here. The best of the best are left, and everyone else is watching them. The Patriots are playing the Chiefs at Arrowhead in just a few short days. I cannot wait. Meanwhile, the Saints are playing the Rams in a few short days. I cannot wait for that either. Man, what a finish to the NFL season is going to be, Rachel. Oh, absolutely. You got the four best offenses in the entire league ready to duke it out for the right to go in the Super Bowl. I am super thrilled. There are just so many narratives that are at play here. Who knows how it'll all finish out, but you can't really be too upset I know, like as an objective football fan with any of these possible combinations in the Super Bowl. You got the Rams, young guy and Jared Goff, whiz kid and Sean McVay at their head coach. You got the old guard with Drew Brees and Sean Payton with the Saints. And you got the same exact storylines going on in the AFC with old men Tom Brady and Bill Belichick against the the young upstart MVP favorite Patrick Mahomes. So there's a lot to break down here, Alec. Let's start with the NFC. Rams playing on the road against the Saints in the NFC Championship game. Kickoff is at 3.05 p.m. on Sunday. What are you looking for in this game? Yeah, I mean, I guess the first thing to look for is how is each team going to play? I think if the Rams play the way they played this past weekend and the Saints play the way they played this past weekend against the Eagles, this is the Rams game to lose because the Rams looked great and the Saints looked okay. However, as we all know all too well, every week in the playoffs is a, basically a brand new season. It all starts from scratch and it's going to be a very, very different contest. And I think they're different teams, the Cowboys and the Eagles, Saints and the Rams. They know the caliber of opponent they're bringing in. They know the matchup. They played these teams before and they've already played in the regular season. Should be a really good one. The one I'm most excited to see actually, honestly, is going to be the matchup between uh, former Patriot, Aqib Talib and Michael Thomas. Uh, Thomas has been such a menace all season for the Saints and Aqib's still one of the best cornerbacks in the league. I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup between those two because the Saints have pretty much run through Michael Thomas offensively, uh, other than the running game. He's their leading receiver by leaps and bounds, one of the best receivers in the NFL. And the matchup between him and Aqib Tlaib is going to be, I think, key for the Saints and the Rams. Whoever gets the better of that matchup could win the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at what Michael Thomas was able to do to this, uh, the Rams back when they played each other in, in Week 9. Michael Thomas had 12 catches for 211 yards, which is absolutely disgusting. Breeze threw four touchdowns on the day, uh, each one to a different receiver. And so if Tlaib or whoever is responsible with covering Michael Thomas at any point in time, that's like ultimately the key because we, we broke this down on, on Tuesday. Michael Thomas is almost the Saints' entire passing offense, right? I mean, like, yeah, you got Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield. He's very, very dynamic. 
no other player has more than 500 receiving yards. And you break down the entire Saints offense. You got Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram coming out of the backfield. They've combined together for roughly, you know, 2,400 yards from scrimmage. They are very, very important. But you only have one running back on the field at any point in time, really. And so you get the running back and you pair him up with Michael Thomas, who's, as we said, that passing attack. And so if the Rams are able to come out and say, we're going to defend Michael Thomas. We're going to triple team him and then dedicate like, or we'll stack the box and just make sure that Michael Thomas gets double coverage. I mean, this is a good Rams defense. They're not great. They definitely did not live up to the expectations at the beginning of the year when they acquired all of these star players, but the Saints offense has faltered a little bit and I don't see why the Rams shouldn't be able to stop them in my mind. No, yeah, I mean, they haven't been great, but, you know, the, you look at their defensive line, Aaron Donald should be the runaway favorite for Defensive Player of the Year, right? He's got 59 tackles, 20, 21 sacks. Uh, they have Adamican Sue and Michael Brockers. Like, those three should just be destroying people. They haven't quite lived up as a unit, but Aaron Donald is such a game changer as a pass rusher. Drew Brees is an older quarterback. Like all older quarterbacks, getting hit a lot is not good for him. And I, I just don't know. I think the offensive line between the, the Saints and, and the Rams is going to be another really fun matchup to watch. I, I'm just curious. I feel like this is one of those games where it's either going to be one of those, like, no one saw it coming, 9-7 to seven wins, or, like, 45-38. But I can't quite tell what it's going to be. It's definitely not going to be a blowout. Yeah, and it's it's I, – I, whenever you have a game that is so hyped up and you saw what happened in the regular season game – uh, you know, 45-35, super high scoring. The encore is never going to be as good. There, There's going to be so much tape available that you can look at and say, oh, this is how they exploited it. Let's make sure we cover it. And if you don't, well, one of the coaches on the other team is going to. And so it's either going to be a lopsided affair or it's going to be a low-scoring affair. And I'm with you. I think at this point they're both very smart coaching staffs. It's more likely to be a game that's in like the 20s to 20s as opposed to 45 to 35. And so I, I think a big story as well is going to be the continued growth of this Saints defense, which started out the season pretty atrociously. They were not a good defense, but they've really settled in. They've really developed. And when you, when you compare the status of the teams in that first matchup that they had, a lot has changed. A lot has changed, and uh, there's no longer Cooper Cup for the Rams. And you, you look at the Saints, they've settled into their offense a little bit, but they they've really have roles decided for people. And, you know, Eli Apple has had more time with them. Marshawn Lattimore has, like, reclaimed his amazing play. Uh, and I, I just think that this game is set up more to be low 20s to low 20s. And Alec, if you had to make a prediction, which one do you think will make the Super Bowl? And if you were the New England Patriots, which one would you want to make the Super Bowl? Uh, my answer to that question, which is the same team, and that's the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I think the ultimate X factor in this game, we talked about offensive defense, but I think at the end of the day, with all else being equal, you look at the quarterback play, and that's who you judge by. And I think in the first half of the season, first quarter of the season maybe, Jared Goff was the MVP candidate. Unstoppable lighting it up. It was like Breeze, Mahomes, Rivers, Brady, and Goff were just the quarterbacks. Even I wouldn't maybe yeah, maybe Mahomes were Tom Brady, but Goff was a was a MVP candidate the first quarter to half of the season. Really cool down the stretch. Did not play that well. 
He kind of got things going again in the first the last two weeks of the season and didn't look great against the Cowboys. I think Breeze is the better quarterback, the better big-game quarterback. He's the more cerebral quarterback. I think he's the guy you go with down the stretch. And I go with the Saints in this game. I think it's going to be a little maybe higher. I think it's going to be like a 31-24 Saints game. Uh, and then Patriots playing the Saints would be a great matchup. But Breeze deserves this game. He deserves a second ring or a second shot of a ring. And I think the Rams are not going to be uh, enough for the Saints to take over. So they are going to win this one at home, represent New Orleans in a Super Bowl for the NFC. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good one. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I would rather the Patriots play the Saints, uh, particularly because it would be hilarious if the New Orleans Saints and the New England Patriots played in Atlanta. Because <laughs> I can't imagine a least palatable matchup for Falcons fans. Um, but I, I think a big part of it is how do I think that the Patriots match up with them? I think New England matches up more favorably against the Saints than they do against the Rams, just from a pressure perspective, uh, just also from like a, an innovation standpoint and just a talent thing. And I wonder, honestly, you look at this Rams offense, they're very, very balanced. Uh, we talk about the Chiefs in our Tuesday podcast of how they have four players that can really beat you. You can say the same thing about the Rams. You got Woods and Cooks who can do it. You got Gurley and CJ Anderson. Um, and so that is just the team that I wouldn't want the Patriots to play. I do think ultimately at the end of the day, this Rams team is good enough to, to beat them, but I'm, I'm hesitant. I am hesitant because of everything that you said is uh, you go with the, the quarterback at this point and I'm leaning Drew Brees. I know that their offense has not been as great as the Rams, but I, I just think that the at the end of the day, big stage, home game, I'm going with the home team here. Yeah, and I also I love Drew Brees. I think he's just such a great quarterback, and I can't call him underrated because he's one of the greatest, but it's, I feel like he gets lost in the Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady conversation. He belongs with those guys, and I would love to see him win one and it's a scenario where if it is the Patriots and the Saints and the Saints win I'll be upset obviously but I'll be very happy for Drew Brees and the Saints because they deserve it uh, however though Rich in order for the Patriots to play the Saints in the Super Bowl they have to first go to Kansas City to beat the Chiefs and the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC they may be the best team in the NFL they handled the Indianapolis Colts in a game a lot of people including yours truly thought the Colts would win or at least hang with them in it wasn't even close huge home field advantage going to Arrowhead is all this storyline, but the Patriots haven't won on the road since 2006, blah, 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 blah. This is going to be the test of the season, Rich. How do you feel about it? Are you confident? Are you worried? I am worried. Okay, so I had my uncle reach out to me, and I, I don't know about you. I have family members that are like, oh, you're right about the Patriots. Let me, let me bounce these theories off of you. <laughs> yep. And he was like, I, you know, I think that the Patriots should win, you know, 60%. That's how I feel, 60%. And I'm just like, that's very, very confident, first off. I, I feel like there aren't too many games where I'm like, oh, yeah, at least 60%. Maybe like a hair better than a coin flip. But 60% on the road against the Chiefs in Arrowhead is not something I could get behind. And in all honesty, I, I would say if these two teams played 100 times, the Chiefs would win the majority of them. Uh, I, I don't think that there's like no chance that the Patriots could win this. I think there are many chances that the Patriots could win this. In fact, they've proven that they could beat the Chiefs this year. But you look at this Chiefs team, how they are entirely different at home versus on the road, 
and from a defensive perspective and the fact that their offense is uh, honestly the second best offense we've seen in the NFL over the past 20 years behind only the Patriots in 2007, that combination makes me nervous. And so I do not have great confidence in the Patriots winning this one. They still can, but if I if we'll make our picks later on after we do our X factors and all that. But if if I were to come out right now, I would say uh, flip it. I'd, I'd be like sixty percent sure that the Chiefs would win this game. Yeah, I mean it's tough. I I wanted to go back and I watched a decent amount of film of the Week Six matchup: Chiefs going to the Patriots and playing forty-three to forty, doing the one on the last second field goal. But watching that game, Rich, I don't know how much I can take away that translates into this matchup. Not only did the Chiefs miss a few wide-open opportunities, they had a couple drops. Mahomes had a pick in the red zone that was at least three points, possibly seven before half. They would have gotten the ball back. Patriots gave up some really big chunk plays that they haven't really done since. I just don't know how much I can really take away from that week's matchup. They're two very different teams now, and... All I can really do is judge on the most recent performance, and I think that both the Patriots and the Chiefs had spectacular divisional rounds, really sent a message to each other. And the edge in this situation usually favors the home crowd, and I, I wish it was like at San Diego or Los Angeles because that would be a great place to play away. But Kansas City, really, really tough venue, great fans in Kansas City. The only saving grace possibly, Rochelle, is it's supposed to be cold on Sunday, like like 9 to 15 degrees I'm not sure what Holmes' record is in that cold weather, but Tom Brady, Brady seems to thrive when it's freezing out for some weird reason. Yeah, and I, I think you look at the Patriots' offense and how they produce, I think it benefits to be in the cold, too, you know? And I, I know that the Chiefs, they were playing in the snow against the, the Colts last week, so by no stretch of the imagination is their offense going to stall if it's cold out, but... If the Patriots can settle down on the road, if they can take the wind out of the sail of the crowd, they'll get a chance in this, right? And I, I think that what we saw the Patriots do last week against the Chargers is very conducive to translating on the road, right? I mean, you have Sony Michelle, who last time he played the Chiefs, 24 carries, 106 yards, and two touchdowns. Last week against the Chargers, about a billion yards and a thousand touchdowns. Uh, that's a rough estimate. Um, and so Michelle will continue to be a big part of this Patriots offense. And you, you look at that passing attack, quick passes Julian Elman, who... Let me remind, uh, when he played the Chiefs, this was his second game back from suspension and from a season-ending ACL injury. So he's an entirely different player now. And, and when you have the Patriots offense against this Chiefs defense that does not have the best secondary, I, I mean, the, the pieces are in place for this to be an entirely different game than what it was in Week 6. But I think that Tom Brady, Edelman, Michelle put them in the cold, even throw James White in there against a questionable Chiefs linebacker court. I mean, I, I don't see why the Patriots can't have just as much success on offense in Kansas City as they did in New England. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about the offense versus Chiefs defense. The Chiefs defense that showed up against Indianapolis, don't know where they were all year, but they were there, and they came to play, and they are terrifying based on what I saw. However, that was might have been an anomaly. It might have been something really weird. Maybe something in the water. I don't know. Patriots are going to come into Kansas City and play a Chiefs defense that is historically pretty soft, and we know that, and you can't really judge based on, on one week. The Patriots didn't have a 100-yard receiver against the Chiefs the first time they played. Rob Gronkowski had three for 97. He's a leading receiver, but that included a long 40, 42-yard bomb, set the winning field goal up. 
You know, Chris Hogan had four for 78. Edelman had 50 yards receiving. Not a, a one-game breaker in the in the passing game. Do you see this really being a, a ground attack, Sony Michelle kind of Rex Burkhead kind of game? Or do you see the Patriots wanting to spread the Chiefs out wide, a lot of quick passes, quick outs, keep them on the field, keep them tired, get up a couple scores, and then ride it out from there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it depends on how the Chiefs are going to come out on defense. They got Bob Sutton of the Rex Ryan tree, so they like to bring pressure from a lot of exotic places, particularly from their defensive backs. And you look at what the Chiefs did against the Colts. Part of it is because they came out to an early 17-0 lead, so the Colts had to throw the ball. But the Chiefs, you look at their defense, they were in dime with six defensive backs at least 80% of the time. And so if you have six defensive backs on the field, Patriots are probably going to draw into what they did against the Chargers and say, uh, yeah, I'm going to run the ball. And sure, the 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 Chiefs have a good defensive front. D Ford is a great pass rusher. So is Justin Houston now that he's healthy. There's a, a solid interior rotation with Alan Bailey and Chris Jones on the inside. But at a linebacker perspective, uh, Anthony Hitchens is the guy. And I don't think that he's too much of a of a game breaker at linebacker. So if I'm the Patriots, they come out and dime. I'm going to do the exact same thing as I did against the Chargers. I'm going to try and run it well, control the clock, remove, uh, you know, the football from the Chiefs' offense, and say I'm going to try and lead that seven and a half minute drive that New England did against the Chargers to open up the game, deflate the entire stadium. And if you can do that. I mean, if, if you can just beat them early on and make them tired, I, that's probably the best course of action. Was that a was that a Cleet Blakeman reference, Rich? <laughs> the word deflate as the head referee in this game? You know, it's not not a coincidence that he'll <laughs> be refing this one. Yeah, well, the, the weather will be a factor, and temperature will be affected, and pressure will be affected. No, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's all about the long drives. You know, it's funny. The the key to beating Tom Brady is keeping him off the field. Right? That's been something people have been harping on forever. And I think this exact same philosophy applies to this, this Chiefs offense, which is, as you mentioned, the second best we've seen in a very long time behind the 07 Patriots only. Uh, and that's why I think Rob Gronkowski is my X Factor for this one. Based on what I saw from him as a blocker against the Chargers and how he just threw guys out of the club left and right, first level, second level, he was chipping guys, he was getting to the the, the, seam, the, the seam and the zone. He was a offensive lineman on steroids in that game, and then he had a, a good game as a passer. Uh, he thought he caught that one, but he was still a threat in the passing game. It's weird that he's in a situation where he's now an X-factor, but that's kind of where he's at as, as a tight end in this in this offensive scheme. I think it's up to him to be a good blocker, a guy that maybe they don't account for as much because they're not as scared of him as they used to be, and then he'll go off late. Hopefully a big day from Gronk in the blocking game and then like two or three really key receptions late. Yeah, I would love to see that happen. I mean, even if Gronk finishes the day with 40 to 50 yards receiving, that'll mean that teams are going to have to respect him. He's, he's still able to draw attention away from him, use that gravity to use a, a basketball advanced term. But yeah, have that gravity, draw defensive backs away from him, really open up the play action for other players. Uh, in a similar note, uh, I'm going with a player that is not a focal point of the Patriots offense. So it's not going to be Edelman, White, or Michelle, or the Patriots offensive line against this great Chiefs defensive front. I'm going to go with Philip Dorsett. 
because I think Dorsett has been greatly underutilized this year. Part of it is because he's much smaller than Chris Hogan and Chris Hogan is a much better blocker. And so they have a hard time justifying putting, you know, the, the number five spot on the field to an undersized receiver, but he's caught nine of his 10 targets over the past three games for 75 yards and two touchdowns. He's chipped in four rushing attempts for 29 yards he has outproduced Chris Hogan whenever he gets the opportunity all year. And if if Dorsett can also finish the day with 40 yards, you know, when we watched Malcolm Mitchell in the Super Bowl 51 against the Falcons, if we can have that type of performance from Philip Dorsett, where he can be the third or fourth guy in the Patriots offense that you just nod your head and go, oh, yeah, he did get that many yards. If he can do that, that will mean that the Patriots are moving the ball well against the Chiefs. That'll mean that the Patriots offense is balanced, and that'll be a really good sign for the Patriots because Dorsett makes things happen. You know, he, he adds so much value to this offense. And so he's going to be my X factor. If he can get involved, if he can break free for a big play, which I know that he's capable of doing, if he can do that, then the Patriots will be riding pretty. The Patriots moving the ball against the Chiefs, something we're probably expecting to at least some degree, Rich, uh, this Sunday in the AFC Championship game. Uh, one thing that might be way more up in the air is can this Patriots defense stop this Chiefs offense? Patriots defense played great against the Chargers. However, I will also concede that the Chargers did nothing to adjust for the looks the Patriots were throwing at them. I would imagine the Chiefs would look at the game tape and actually adjust their blocking schemes. Maybe we'll get lucky and they won't, and the stunt blitzes will keep working. But... This is a very potent offense. This is a potent offense to the point where you can be up 28 to nothing in the fourth quarter. They can score four touchdowns on four plays, and it's not even an exaggeration. They are explosive. They are violent. They are lethal. Can this Patriots defense stop this Chiefs offense, Rich? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Evan Lazar of CLNS was talking about this on Twitter, where I think six of the nine biggest plays against the Patriots over the past two years have come at the hands of the Chiefs, or six out of ten, some extraordinary amount. And it's because they haven't been able to defend Tyreek Hill. They haven't been able to defend Kareem Hunt. And fortunately, Hunt is no longer in the NFL. Uh, and so uh, the Patriots can focus their attention on defending Tyreek Hill, whom they've decided not to cover the past few matchups. Uh, it's a bold strategy. wasn't really working out for them too great. Um, but you look at the balance of this Chiefs offense, and I, I'm curious to get your thought on this. They have a, a running back, Damian Williams, who honestly has exceeded what Kareem Hunt was doing in their backfield. You have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Those are the three players that are really the engine of this Chiefs attack. You got running back, tight end, wide receiver, a lot of balance there. And then they have a rotation of solid receivers behind that. You got Sammy Watkins, who's coming back from an injury. Uh, so he's not a fully 100%, but he's contributing and he is very dangerous. You got Chris Conley, who's another big target on the outside. And then Demarcus Robinson, who's proved himself to be a big deep threat. Those are the three other guys that would be in a rotation other than some of the other running backs. If you're Brian Flores and you're Bill Belichick and you're saying, I want to match up against this Chiefs, defense, uh, Chiefs offense, how would you match him up? Yeah, I, I don't think, you know, I think that there's a lot of people that are saying you want to put Stephon Gilmore on Tyreek Hill. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that anybody should match up with Tyreek Hill one-on-one. -on -one. He's just too fast. I think we need maybe J.C. Jackson with help over the top with McCourty, with Devin McCourty on Tyreek Hill. He had 142 yards receiving against the Patriots last time. However, 
75 of that was on that one play where it kind of broke down. So seven, so six catches for about 70 yards is pretty good for limiting him. And I think that if you have J.C. Jackson, who's really come into his own the second half of the season, we saved him up over the top. You're not going to stop Tyreek Hill. He's going to get his, but that will limit his production. Uh, and then it's also Travis Kelsey only had 60-some-odd catches, 60-some-odd yards, excuse me, on five catches. I think Patrick Chung did a great job on him. So I'd keep Patrick Chung with me, a little linebacker help with a chip block on Travis Kelsey. What I'm really concerned about is Sammy Watkins. That's kind of the guy, if it's going to be one of those things where Belichick finds a way to contain Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, make them beat you with their third, fourth, fifth option, right? That's what they do. And Sammy Watkins, as a fourth receiver, is a really solid fourth option. (laughs) And I just don't know if there's enough personnel on the field. I don't know if Jason McCourty can match up well on Sammy Watkins, size and strength-wise. And if he's going to be the guy, I think Mahomes is an intelligent enough a quarterback to not force throws to Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and to let Watkins beat him all day, and that's where they're going to get burned. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder what the best chance could be for the Patriots' defense because a lot of the stats point to the fact that Mahomes struggles more against zone than he does against man because West Coast offense, they now had to get players open in space. And so man defense is a little bit of an issue there. But we've also seen that the Patriots' defense is infinitely better in man than they are in zone. And so there's a question of can they prepare enough over the, this coming week, like over this past week, to be comfortable using zone? Or can they do something schematically in man that will be able to limit this this Chiefs' offense? And I think using bracket coverage on Tyreek Hill, safety over the top. Honestly, I would use Devin McCourty instead of Deron Harmon just because McCourty's faster. Put Devin McCourty over the top. I like using J.C. Jackson because Jackson has been an outstanding deep ball defender. He doesn't let anything get past him. He times things perfectly, uses his former wide receiver ability. So he does a great job. I would use that pairing against Tyreek Hill. I would ask Patrick Chung to cover Travis Kelsey, as he's done in the past, with you know some solid success there. I don't see any reason why that wouldn't continue. And that would allow Stephon Gilmore to match up against Sammy Watkins one-on-one, former teammates, I would expect that Gilmore should win that one as the first team all pro. That is a risk. You know, that's what you pay him for. He should be able to do that one-on-one. I don't think that's a waste of his talent either because it'll allow him to say, all right, I've done my my film research. I know exactly what his tendencies are, and I should be able to erase him one-on-one, and everyone else can do their job. And a big thing about those matchups is that it's not an over-dedication of resources. You know, I mean, that puts Jason McCourty against Chris Conley, which I really don't like. I think that would be a problem matchup for New England. I I think whatever has happened with Jason McCourty over the past couple of weeks, he's clear he's like not doing as well. And I'm curious to know why. But more specifically, there's Damian Williams coming out of the backfield. He's a very, very adept receiver. I don't want the Patriots to have to try and cover him with the, the linebackers. But my X factor, Kyle Van Noy did a great job against the Chargers running backs out of the backfield last week. If he's able to do that again, if they can prevent Damian Williams from being a part of the Chiefs passing offense, and you know Kyle Van Noy would likely be very responsible for that, if the Patriots can prevent the Chiefs running backs from being a part of the passing offense, New England should be in a great position to say, okay, we can trust our secondary to do their job against these receivers it's against the running backs that we're really concerned about. And so, as I said, if Kyle Van Noy is able to stop the running back, Patriots defense should be sitting pretty. 
You stole my X Factor, Rich. You son of a bitch. I'll tell you though. I'll tell you what's wrong with Jason McCourty and why he struggled lately. Because he played for the Browns his whole career. He has no clue what January football is like. This is his first time doing it. You got to give him a break. Like that's the problem with Jason McCourty. Well, since you stole my X Factor, uh, I'm going to stay in the linebacking core and I'm going to go with Dante Hightower as a kind of spy on Mahomes, the quarterback. One thing I've talked about yet is Mahomes being able to extend plays with his legs and run for first downs. We need somebody to keep an eye on Mahomes while he's making a decision in the backfield. I think Han Howard, the way he played against the Chargers, Phillip Rivers, he seems fully healthy, ready to hit the quarterback. Yeah, with seven hits on, on Phillip Rivers uh, on Sunday. If he can do that against Patrick Mahomes, make him hearing footsteps a little bit, force him to throw before he's ready, that'll go a long way. Hightower picked off Patrick Mahomes the first time these two guys played. I'm hoping the Hightower, besides quarterback in the defensive schemes, he will be the guy who is watching the backfield, keeping eyes on Mahomes. And if he does, tuck the ball and start to run, he'll have to run them down. That may be a Deron Harmon job as well, depending on the speed and what they do, what kind of base defense they want to run. But Hightower's my guy. Yeah, I like that a lot too. As we've always mentioned, the Patriots' defense is as good as their linebackers play, so it makes a lot of sense for us to pick the two more important linebackers on the Patriots' team. Uh, New England should have their hands full. By no means will this be an easy game. Alec, I think we're at the time where we should do predictions. Um, I was definitely incorrect last week with my prediction. And so, Alec, you get to make the first one. What do you think is going to happen next Sunday? Yeah, okay. Well, for the record, I said the Patriots won 20-13 to 13 over the Chargers. It's not like I was that correct. In my <laughs> so it's not like I was that good. All right, so here we are, Rich. This is where we're at. AFC Championship. As always, we joke back in August, we start doing our preseason and pregame breakdowns and all that stuff. It's like, all right, wake me up when the Patriots are in the AFC Championship. Well, it's here, so let's all wake up. I've said several times over the course of this season, as of like October or so, I just don't know what's going to happen with this team. and I'm happy with regardless of how it goes. Everything from one and done in the playoffs to hoisting a six Lombardi trophy and everything in between. I feel like most Patriots fans and analysts have the Patriots losing this game I think I would have had them losing this game up until maybe last week. But when's the last time the Patriots ever did anything they were supposed to do? It's been so long since that's happened. I just can't go with the Patriots losing this game. I think they're playing too well. I think Tom Brady is too ticked off. They have too much of an underdog mentality. There's too many people they want to continue to silence as if they need to keep silencing people. And I think somehow the Pats are going to pull this one off late, 36-30. to Ooh, wow. Okay. I like that. That would be amazing. Send Patriots to their third straight Super Bowl, fourth in the past five years. Be the very, very first team to have a team go to five Super Bowls in a span of eight years. That would be really cool to see happen. Um, okay. As I mentioned at the very, very beginning of the podcast, I think that the Chargers have a 60% chance of winning this game. You, you go with the home team. They have a great quarterback. And honestly, at this point in time, I, I – in the playoffs, ask me to have one drive. I'll choose Tom Brady. Over the course of an entire game, in Arrowhead, dealing with the crowd noise. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was the best quarterback in football this year. There's no denying that. He was outstanding. He's, I mean, he, he's been doing things with the football that no other quarterback has ever done. So, fascinating to watch him out there. Will Andy Reid, Andy Reid it up? Or is that a narrative that's going to end? Or will the narrative end that the Patriots can't win on the road in the playoffs? I See, at the end of the day, I think that the Patriots will give them a run for their money. But it's hard to overcome that home field advantage. There's a reason why 
number one seeds have made the Super Bowl seemingly year after year after year. And barring an upset along the way, the number one seed always seems to make their way there. Home field advantage is huge. And I believe that there's only been one number two seed to make the Super Bowl since 2012. Uh, And it's normally the top seed makes it. And so I'm going with the Chiefs in this one. Uh, It'll be a relatively high-scoring-ish game. I expect to be low enough early on, but the scoring to pick up in the, the second half. And this will be a game that the Chiefs win 34 to 28. 34 to 28, which would make this the last game of the 2018 season, if you are correct. Hopefully you're not, Rich. You've been wrong last week. Hopefully you're wrong in the entire playoffs. I'll tell you what, though, Rich. If the Patriots do beat the Chiefs, you have to pick against them in Super Bowl two. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah, right. I, I completely recognize that. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> at that point, it would be negligent not to. All right. As yeah. long as you're aware of it. Well, hopefully, buddy, this is not the second-to-last podcast we do. We're going to be breaking it down regardless, win or lose. But I'd like to do at least one more with you because that means it would be a Patriots Super Bowl for, as you mentioned, the third straight year. Never been done before. Still enjoying the ride, and I'm not quite done with this season. Yeah, absolutely. And until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, man. Later. Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. (laughs) We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.